0: Brock and Janet Thornton are married, and they both have demanding professional careers. They work long hours, so when their kids were young, they hired a caregiver to watch over their children during the school day. And that caregiver would drive the kids to school and then pick them up afterwards and make sure they did their homework until mom and dad arrived home. And the kids grew fond of their caretaker, but she wasn't their parent wasn't part of their family. She wasn't around during the evenings and weekends and she didn't participate in family birthdays and other special events. She was a weekday worker who provided custodial care for the children. And when the kids graduated from high school and were ready to head off to college, her job was finished. Brock and Janet thanked her profusely. They gave her a nice bonus and their relationship was over. And they rarely had any contact ever again. It's because there's a huge difference between a caregiver like that and a parent. Caregivers can keep you safe and they can watch over your education, but they cannot fulfill the role of a mom and dad. And and according to the Apostle Paul, that's the difference between life under the Jewish law and life as a follower of Jesus. As people who are connected to Christ, we don't have an educational caregiver. We have a father, a heavenly father. Because of Jesus, we are privileged to live together as God's family, as his beloved children. That's what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand. Please listen as Ashlyn reads to us from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 23 to 29. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor, nor free, nor are there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and here is according to the promise. Thank you so much, Ashland. We appreciate that. In this passage, the apostle Paul uses some very distinct language to describe God's purpose for the Jewish law. And his intent is to show the benefits of the law, yet also to prove that the law no longer is necessary. So he writes that the law gave us protective custody until the coming of Jesus. In essence, the law was a temporary educational caregiver. As we see here in verses 23-25. through And when Paul talks here about the law as our guardian, he uses a specific Greek word tied to a specific role in Greek culture. In many Greek households, there was a servant called a pedagogus, or guardian. And he filled a role similar to that of the caregiver that Brock and Janet Thornton hired. And the job of the pedagogist was to make sure the children were safely delivered to their school teacher each day. And he brought them home afterwards and made sure that they were diligent in their studies. He watched over the kids and kept them safe when dad and mom weren't around. His role was extremely important. Yet once the children grew up, they no longer needed this kind of guardian. Why? Because adults have been set free from the need for childhood caregivers. And Paul uses that practical example from Greek culture to illustrate the role of the Jewish law. The law was given to watch over God's people. And the law appointed people to God and to the scriptures. And the scriptures educated people about the coming of the Messiah. And the new covenant That God would establish. And then Jesus arrived in fulfillment of God's promise. Which meant that people no longer needed the law. God's spiritual pedagogus had fulfilled its purpose. So now because of Jesus we're no longer under the custodial care of the law. Instead we're under the care of the heavenly father. Father. We have been set free to live as children of God. That's what Paul talks about as we continue on in this passage. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. This is one of the most amazing things about Christianity. Because of Jesus, you and I get to live as children of Almighty God. How did we attain this incredible privilege? As Paul says, by responding to Jesus through baptism. Christian baptism is a unique act of faith with physical, spiritual, and even mystical realities. In ways we cannot fully describe, baptism results in a union between a human being, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. When we repent of our sins and are baptized, we take off our old nature. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and we put on the new nature of Jesus Christ. As Paul says here, we are clothed with Christ. Now I can explain that, but I cannot fully understand that. It is a beautiful, glorious mystery of what God does in us. When we take that step of faith and get connected to Christ then we are liberated. As individuals we are liberated from sin. And the community of faith also is liberated from old divisions that were practiced under the Jewish law. Divisions that made it hard for some people to be fully integrated into the community of faith. For example, under the law, only men could carry the sign and seal of God's covenant, which was circumcision. In Christianity, however, men and women alike carry the sign and seal of God because both can submit to baptism and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So so baptism does not just lead to the transformation of individual people, but also to the transformation of the faith community. Because of Jesus, women are connected to God and the church in a way that was completely unknown in Judaism. They're free to discover and use their spiritual gifts. That's why in the early church, women began to pray and to prophesy in the worship services, which they could not do in the synagogue. Breaking down of barrier experiencing freedom, that happens when we take God seriously and are willing to remove unnecessary barriers, the kind of barriers that Paul addresses here in verses 28 and 29. Now, because we're not Jewish, we may not initially feel the impact of Paul's words But what he writes here is profound. You see, faithful Jewish men would offer a daily prayer that included these words. God, I thank you for not making me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. That prayer was a sign of the class and social distinctions. Which made it hard for some people to get connected to God and which made some people second-class citizens in the community of faith. This prayer was a sign that that Jews believed they were ethnically superior to others because they were biological descendants of Abraham. Yet now Paul tackles this head-on, and he says that traditional prayer is ungodly. Because Jesus has done away with the barriers of ethnicity and socioeconomic status gender. And these distinctions that keep us separated and cause us to look down on each other are removed at the cross and through the gift of the Holy Spirit. These distinctions should not relationally exist in the church. Because Jesus does not exclude anyone, anyone from his invitation to become a child of God. Best of all, Once you're in God's family, then you are fully and completely His child. There are no stepchildren, no foster children in God's family. No one is under the care of a guardian. We are spiritually equal as forgiven, Spirit-filled people who have clothed ourselves with Christ. God wants us to live together as one family in Christ Jesus. We need to understand that for Paul, these words are not just some lofty ideal. For him, they are a daily living reality. Because the early early church was intentional about eradicating barriers and learning how to be one family in Christ. And here's an example. On one of his missionary journeys, the Apostle Paul preaches about Jesus in the city of Thessalonica. And who is it that responds to his message? Well, here's what we find according to the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 4. Some of the Jews were persuaded, and a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and quite a few prominent women. That was the nucleus of a new church, a church of Jews, and Gentiles, where women were not sidelined or overlooked. It was a great start toward God's goal of being one in Christ Jesus. And over time, as more and more churches were started, the Spirit continued to break down socioeconomic barriers to the point where even indentured servants And slaves were included in the community of faith. Some of those people even became leaders in the early church because no one saw their social status as an impediment to using their spiritual gifts to build up the family of God. This breaking down of barriers occurs repeatedly in city after city across the Middle East and throughout Asia Minor. And it's because to the best of their flawed human abilities, our spiritual ancestors tried to live up to the ideals handed down by Jesus and articulated so clearly here by Paul. They wanted to form communities of faith based on Jesus. Communities of faith that moved beyond typical human-created divisions. Communities where everyone is an equal child of God. Here's what's really sad, though. Over time, the unity of the early church began to fade. It began to be lost. Why did that happen? It's because what God asks us to do here is uncomfortable. And people don't like to feel uncomfortable. So they retreated back into their old habits and they re-erected familiar social and ethnic and gender barriers. And it's happened virtually everywhere that the message of Jesus has taken root. And it happens because we resist letting the Holy Spirit transform our cultural habits and patterns. We've seen that here in America. America. Here we are, a nation of immigrants, and yet early immigrants aren't always receptive to the later immigrants. And so different ethnic communities wind up creating their own churches. There's a small town in the Midwest with three different churches from the same denomination, all ethnically based. The first church was started by German immigrants. A few years later, some Swedish immigrants showed up, but they were shunned by the Germans. So they started their own church. And then a little bit later, the Italian immigrants showed up and they weren't welcomed by either of the first two groups so they started their own congregation. I I don't think that kind of ethnic and cultural separation fulfills God's desire expressed here by Paul that the children of God be one in Christ. I know a town where there's A first Christian church that's exclusively white. And there's a second Christian church that's exclusively black. I don't think that kind of racial separation fulfills God's desire expressed here by the Apostle Paul. That the children of God be one in Christ. I know a Christian church where women are limited to three roles. Nursery care, serving food in the kitchen, and cleaning the communion trays. That's it. I don't think that kind of gender separation fulfills God's desire expressed here by Paul that the children of God be one in Christ because when women are limited like that, then their role in God's family is more of a servant than a sister. Paul wants us to remember that through Jesus we all are children of God. That is what should shape all of our attitudes and actions. In light of what Paul writes here to the Galatians, words that were timely and appropriate for them, and I believe words that are timely and appropriate for us, here are some things I believe we should consider. Can we ask the Holy Spirit to look into our own hearts and help us see if we are embracing any of these barriers that Jesus would rather that we tear down? Do we react differently to people based on their gender or their nationality or their skin color or their economic status? When a visitor walks through our doors... I hope it doesn't matter to us whether they are Anglo or black or Asian or Hispanic or male or female or rich or poor. Because Jesus wants everyone to have the opportunity to become a child of God. And as we respond to God, as we become his children then we're all free to discover the gifts and talents and abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to each of us. Gifts that he wants us to use to enrich our life together. And as we see people embrace their gifts and use their gifts, then we can celebrate the diversity of gifts and the diversity of people that God uses to build and strengthen his Because of Jesus, we're all children of God. And we've been set free by the Spirit from old ways of thinking that cause us to erect these barriers. We've been set free by the Spirit so that we can live together as God's children, as God's family. And as we follow the leading of the Spirit, we can. We can be one in Christ.